You are listening to the Love Yourself Podcast, episode number 61. Welcome to the Love Yourself Podcast, a podcast to help you discover self-empowerment, self-love, and inner peace. My name is Jessica Maytang of jessicamaytang.com, and I am a self-love and empowerment coach for recovering people-pleasers. As a recovering people-pleaser myself, I have learned tools and strategies that help me tap into my inner wisdom so that I can be who I truly am with confidence and inner peace instead of the ever-familiar shame and guilt. And today, my life is dedicated to helping others to do the same. If you haven't already, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast so you know when the next episode comes out. As a coach, I continue to learn how to create the life I desire and manage challenges that come up along the way, so I started writing daily emails, sharing personal stories, examples, and responses to questions in the hopes that it can also spark something great for readers and listeners like you. If you'd like to receive these daily doses of inspiration and self-love and get reminders about new episodes, please subscribe on my website at jessicamaytang.com. As a thank you for joining the Love Yourself community, you'll receive a free gift, my latest guided meditation called Releasing Fear About the Future. So often we let the fear of what may or may not happen in the future paralyze us from taking the actions necessary to transform our lives. And with this guided meditation, you will learn how to easily detach from that fear and release it so that you can take giant leaps towards your strongest, most confident, most peaceful future self. Thank you for listening, and without further ado, here is today's episode. Hi, you guys. I hope you're enjoying this recent batch of podcast episodes. I've been really excited to share this these next two episodes with you, uh, kind of all about the all about what I've been learning through Pema Chodron's. I hope I'm saying her name right. Pema Chodron's book, "When Things Fall Apart." It actually was a little bit hard for me to get into in the beginning, Um, but there's just so much wisdom in here, and I also love that she swears. But she is a uh, uh, an American Buddhist nun. <laughs> People always feel a little bit like, "What? She's called a nun? I thought nuns were Catholic." But apparently, if you're Buddhist and a lady. Uh, and you practice Buddhism, you, you know, the, the female version of a monk is none. So she's an American Buddhist nun. And I think she's also a really big part of the movement um, about bringing Buddhism to America, to the Western Hemisphere. All right. So today's episode is all about what's really keeping you stuck. And... This is kind of a really big peek into my own personal development journey. I still roll my eyes when I hear journey or say journey. I wish there was another word. A word. Can uh, Santa Monica and West LA, can they come up with a different word already? (laughs) I just don't know what that word would be. The path? The path. That's what, uh, that's what they say in Buddhism. That's the English thing that they say. The path. The path to enlightenment. Uh, but anyway, uh, I wanted to share kind of the common pathway to self-love. And I think, by the way, enlightenment is just self-love. It's not some holier than thou kind of thing. It's not like you're going to sit there and levitate. It's not, you know, um, it's not denouncing a bunch of things. It's just about loving yourself, you know? Um, yeah, it's not about not drinking and, um, only sharing love and never feeling hate. I really don't think that's what enlightenment is. I think enlightenment is just full, true allowing, And what's magical about being in a place of truthful allowing and self-love, complete self-love, is that feelings of anger and resentment are no longer a cornerstone of your daily existence. They're not so big anymore. They're not such big challenges in your life anymore. So anyway, today's 
episode is about what's really keeping you stuck. So in personal development, I think all of us feel stuck in our lives or we're like doing everything that we can think of to be happy and healthy. Or if you're like me, like you spent so much time, money and energy on getting two degrees and getting a really swanky job and living in a really nice area that people or some people only dream of vacationing to and you're still not happy. I think a lot of us kind of get into personal development from the space of doing so many things and trying so hard, but still not being happy. And so we start learning about positive thinking. Holy fuck. Positive thinking. Positive thinking is like, only think positive, only be happy. Every situation has a bright side to it. You got to find the silver lining and only think about the silver lining. (laughs) And what's interesting is that even now, as I listen to personal development stuff, I can hear that perspective where when you're first starting personal development, you hear people talk about thinking positive and finding the positive perspective about things and you immediately start feeling guilty or ashamed of not feeling or finding that positive perspective or not finding that positive feeling to feel and not committing to it. So when I listen to personal development talks and read personal development books now, I can still see how that is a perspective because, get this, because when we first start out in personal development, many of us are feeling ashamed about who we are. We're feeling ashamed about all the things that are wrong with us, that we think are wrong with us. We think that there is something wrong with us. We think that we are not good enough. And so when we listen to personal development or read personal development books, we carry that perspective and we filter everything that we're reading or listening to through this filter of I'm not good enough, I'm not a good enough person, uh, and I'm not loved. I don't deserve to be loved. I'm not good enough. I have to try harder. And so we take the positive thinking thing to the extreme. And we think, holy fuck, I find myself feeling really upset about this thing, this coworker at work, and I need to just think positive. But what the fuck is gonna thinking positive gonna help me with in terms of making this person just shut the fuck up? <laughs> Potty mouth today. Uh, so then we start shaming ourselves for not feeling positive about someone being a total asshole at work. Hmm. And then when we do, and then, and then I think the next step usually is, okay, we start shaming ourselves about thinking positive. We're trying so hard and struggling so hard to think positive, think positive. And then we start learning about law of attraction, maybe. Actually, no, not yet. We don't learn about law of attraction yet. I think the next step is learning how to set boundaries, learning that ooh, there are people in my life who are just making my life fucking miserable and I need to get rid of them. So I need to speak up for myself and tell them what's what so they can stop treating me this way. (laughs) Um, And so we start expressing ourselves and a lot of anger becomes outwardly expressed now instead of internally boiling into resentment, right? Um. And especially for like people pleasers like me, that was definitely my life. I actually grew up being a quote unquote positive person. I was always a very positive person. So when I started learning about positive thinking, that also resonated with me because I did my best to think positive all the time. Um, And those of you guys who have followed me from the beginning, I definitely talked about that all the time. (sighs) Think positive, find the silver lining, all these things. Um, and so it kind of came naturally to me. And the only part that sucked about that was that I didn't realize how much I was shaming myself when I wasn't feeling all that positive. So that's why I had so many cycles of depression, actually, because I would deny myself quote unquote negative feelings. I label my feelings negative. I push them away. Feel negative feelings, push them away. Don't even look at them, change them, decide not to deal with them and just be positive. <laughs> but I wouldn't deal with the anger, resent or the anger or the bitterness or the upset either. I just decided I'm just going to sweep it under the rug. <laughs> 
And eventually there's always like a last straw that happens where there's one last situation that creates so much hurt and upset that everything comes crashing down and I spiral into depression for like a month, two months, sometimes even longer. So where was I going with that? Right. So that's kind of the next step. So the first step was learning about positive thinking and then subconsciously shaming ourselves for not being able to constantly think positive. And then the second part of that, the second step of that journey of this personal development journey is usually about setting boundaries, but then we're setting boundaries from a place of protecting ourselves, which is coming from a place of fear, right? You need to get the fuck out of my life because you're not treating me well and uh, fuck you. (laughs) And the way we express ourselves is very angry, right? So all of that underlying anger, resentment that had been boiling underneath comes out and shit hits the fan. And then we shame ourselves some more because we feel like we're doing the work. Um, I'm setting boundaries for myself and shit's hitting the fan. I don't know what to do. And that's when we kind of start learning about law of attraction maybe. And this is all just kind of what just happens because you start shifting your subconscious thinking. Some people that you start setting boundaries with learn uh, start respecting those boundaries. And so you start feeling better about yourself because you are getting rid of some of the people that are not, uh, that are creating a lot of anger, resentment for you. And so you're releasing a lot of these people. You might start feeling better about yourself or more easeful within yourself. You might start being more receptive to this idea of law of attraction. So you start learning about law of attraction. You start learning about how like energy, um, attracts like energy. And then you start questioning how that all fits into positive thinking and you start thinking, well, okay, positive thinking, that's what makes sense about positive thinking because if you're thinking positive and you're exuding positive energy, you're attracting more positive energy. But then you start being more conscious of the subconscious quote unquote negative feelings, the feelings and the thoughts that you're labeling as negative And you're starting to draw more attention to these subconscious beliefs that are now playing out in your life that you didn't realize are playing a big part in your life. And you might start wondering how to start changing these subconscious beliefs, right? That's when you start hearing about, okay, we got to transform these subconscious beliefs. (laughs) And then a lot of times many of us get stuck there. We get stuck there and what we end up doing is shaming ourselves about not being able to change and transform these thoughts and beliefs fast enough. Like we we give ourselves some kind of imaginary timeline to transform because for the most part, ego wants to be famous or ego wants to be rich or ego wants to be whatever. Ego wants a nice house. Ego wants a nice car. Ego wants a dream career. Ego wants a dream business. Now. Not later now. And so we start shaming ourselves for not doing the work better or not doing the work well enough. And this is when a lot of us start getting into, I want to be a better person, right? We start learning about future self and how a law of attraction plays into future self, a better self. And then we start shaming ourselves because right now who we are is clearly not good enough, But all this is doing is just perpetuating the not good enough feelings. And like I said, enlightenment and happiness is all about self-love. It's all about releasing these feelings of shame and guilt and, and not just releasing them because I think in personal development, especially for me, because that's where I'm at in my own personal development, I've been really focused on releasing, 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 transforming and releasing, transforming and releasing. And right now, over the past couple months, I've started moving more into surrender. I've been learning more about surrender, what it means to surrender. Surrender means giving up this idea of your, of, of, bleh. Surrender means giving up this idea of a better self. Surrender means feeling into the now. Surrender means to stop struggling. And surrender 
means and stopping struggling means allowing the now and loving yourself even in the now. And of course, by law of attraction, if I love myself now, I'm going to love myself even more in the future. My future self is someone who loves her life and loves herself. If I am where I'm at right now and I am unhappy with who I am now and I think I need to be a better person, all I'm doing is just perpetuating that same reality where I feel like I need to be better, I'm not doing good enough. I need to do more. So the trick to becoming your future self, someone who loves her life, his or her life, and loves him or herself completely and fully, you gotta be that person now. And the trick to being that person now is to stop struggling. Okay, so today I'm going to share with you two methods for you to stop struggling. All right, so I hope that was a good explanation as to why struggling and trying so hard to do the inner work is what is actually keeping you stuck. Stop trying to do the inner work. And many of us, Even me, when I first realized this, and I literally just realized this last week from doing that allowing experiment for one week with my therapist, (laughs) I didn't realize how much I was struggling and trying to be my future self. I didn't realize it. And so this is like the complete opposite of what you hear in personal development, right? Everyone's like meditate and journal and all these things. No one talks about this idea of stopping struggling. If meditating is not your thing, quit trying it. If journaling is not your thing, quit trying it. If feeling guilty about, if watching TV creates a lot of feelings of guilt, (laughs) stop feeling guilty. Not stop watching TV because that's a fucking struggle, right? Just stop. So the struggle is what's keeping you stuck. Struggling to be better, struggling to journal, struggling to meditate is what is keeping you stuck. Journal only if you love it. Meditate only if you love it. Meditate only if you love learning to meditate. Journal only if you love learning to journal. (laughs) I hope that makes sense. So this next part is going into the two methods to stop struggling. The first method is to stop labeling things as good or bad, positive or negative. And this is when Pema Chodron, like in her book, she mentioned something that was just so, I was like, oh my God, this is so great. This is beautiful. Okay. Because we hear that a lot, right? Especially if you've gone to the, if you're, you've gone along the pathway of personal development now that you're moving away from positive thinking and you're understanding how much positive thinking is creating more shame. But you're like, well, I don't, I don't know what to do then. I'm so used to labeling my thoughts and, and feelings as positive or negative and shaming the rest of them. Like, what am I supposed to do instead? And so I I figured, you know, like my brain is so good at labeling things. That's literally what your mind and your ego is made to do. We label things and categorize things so that it's easier to function. So we don't get drained just from living life, 
right? Our ego categorizes things in order to have, our ego categorizes things because that's its job. It's trying to do that to make your life easier for you. It's trying to do that to keep you in your comfort zone. If you label things as this is good and that is bad, then it becomes very clear as to what to avoid and what to move towards. And it limits decision paralysis, right? But that's ego. And what's really interesting is that inner wisdom doesn't label anything at all. And when inner wisdom doesn't label anything at all, the instructions as to which choice to make that would be best for you becomes that much clearer. It becomes so clear. I can't even tell you, you guys. When people talk about hearing a voice saying, do this, or getting a feeling of do this next, it's real. (laughs) That shit is real. And when you hear it, there's just a huge wave of peace and calm and love that surges through you. This is a real thing that happens. I've experienced it. You know, all of my clients have experienced this. This is a real thing. (laughs) And the people that I share this with, they end up experiencing it for themselves as well. So ego is the one that tells you, no, 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 you got to label things as positive or negative. And then we have to make lists of pros and cons. And then we have to think about what's logical, what would be the best choice for us based on what's logical and all this work. So what's interesting is that ego labels things to try to make things easier for us. But in the end, we end up spending so much energy trying to find out what is good for us when it is so much easier to just tap into our inner wisdom. But ego gets really loud because we spent our entire lives validating ego more often than our inner wisdom. For whatever reason. Because growing up, we always got the message that we cannot trust ourselves or that we cannot trust our inner voice. Our inner voice is wrong. But understand that most of the people who are giving you that message are also operating from ego because they've had a similar background. They grew up in a similar way where their inner wisdom was not respected or honored or allowed. But that can stop with you, right? That can stop with you. And at the same time, you wouldn't realize that you have this power to listen to your inner wisdom without also experiencing the opposite of that. Without experiencing what ego feels like, you wouldn't also fully understand the peacefulness and the calm and the clarity that comes with inner wisdom. It's contrast, right? You need the good to understand the bad. And at the same time, we're also talking about being happy in the future requires you to be happy now and being happy now requires you to release the labels of good and bad, positive and negative. So now the brain and the ego, its job is to label things and categorize things. That's what it does. And again, because we've spent so much time listening to it, it gets really loud. And so when we read personal development books that say stop labeling things, We don't understand what that means. How am I supposed to stop labeling things? How am I supposed to just sit back and observe my thoughts without also judging them? I don't get it. So Pema actually mentioned something that was super helpful. (laughs) Uh, So she says, fine, label it. Label it, but label it a very neutral word. That is just a word. And the word is thinking. So say that you are someone who meditates, right? In the morning, gosh, when I first learned how to meditate or learned about meditation, my mom was learning meditation at the time. And her Chinese medicine doctor had told her, you need to meditate, you need to clear your mind. What the flying fuck does that mean? Our minds are made to think things. And it's a 24-7 thing. It's a, it's nonstop. That's what it does. That's its job is to think things. What the fuck does that mean to clear your mind? So I watched my mom drill herself into further depression, trying to clear her mind and meditate in order to try coming out of depression. Oh my God. Like I still feel, 
I still feel some type of way about that. I still feel very passionate about that. <laughs> so that's my, that's me not feeling inner peace with that just yet. Like I still feel very, very, very passionate about that. Like whenever I hear someone say, I've tried to meditate, but I can't clear my mind. I'm just like, I just want to tear my hair out. <laughs> And I take it as I like take a deep breath. I'm like, okay, this is a teaching opportunity, but only if that person is open to receiving it. I cannot just go on a rampage and talk about this, which I've done in the past. Okay, so going back, going back, it's not about clearing your mind because that's, guys, it's kind of impossible. And again, you can, you can, you can fight me here, right? You can, you can disagree with me here and say, well, Jess, like it's only what you believe in. So if you believe it's impossible, it's going to be impossible. (laughs) So, um, play around with it, right? Play around with what feels good for you when you meditate. If you, uh, feel good and it's easy for you to meditate thinking, you know, it's easy for me to empty my mind. It's easy for me to empty my mind. (laughs) But again, you thinking it's easy for me to empty my mind is something that's happening in the mind. Yes. (laughs) Okay, we can go in circles about this. So Pema recommends just labeling everything as thinking. So in Buddhist meditation, they focus their energy in meditation. They focus their their thoughts and their feelings. Ah, They focus their energy on the out breath. And they just do gentle breathing right? You might take a few deep breaths to settle yourself and be present and ground yourself through your body and just be aware of how you're sitting and draw some awareness to your body. But after that, you're just breathing normally at a normal pace and you're focusing your attention on the out breath. That's the Buddhist way of meditating, according to Pema. And if you catch yourself thinking a thought Instead of labeling, like for me, I used to like shake my head. (laughs) If I find myself like going down a thought train, I like shake my head like, no, no, not thinking about that. Okay. Not thinking. We're not thinking. We're not thinking. Oh, fuck. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm thinking, not thinking. Fuck. I need to stop thinking. (laughs) And then I shake my head again. Wait, just stop thinking. Right. Go back to the out breath. Go back to the out breath. Wait, no, that's still thinking. So instead of, instead of labeling your thinkings as good or bad or feeling bad about them, you just label them as thinking. If you're meditating, focusing on your out breath and a worry about money comes up. Oh shit, I need to pay my bill. Shit, did I make enough money this this month? When is my credit card due? I don't want to have an overdraft. Oh my God, they're going to give me a fee. And then you catch yourself because you're building your awareness, right? which is a skill and something to be learned and practiced over time. Oh, I'm aware of this. And you just think to yourself, thinking. And you go back to the out-breath. This was like totally profound for me, especially in the last two weeks, because I've been so busy with um, with my practically full-time uh, OT job. I've been working like 30, 32 30 to 32 hours a week. That's not part-time. But I've been enjoying it. So I've been allowing myself to do that. 30-something hours and then writing emails every single day and then also doing my best to uh, meditate. (laughs) I journal every single morning and I love it. I wake up at 5.30 to 6 o'clock every single morning. I drink water. I uh, have my coffee. I make my coffee. I make my little PB&J sandwich to take to work. And... uh, I enjoy that whole process. And then sometimes I'll meditate because I want to, sometimes because I feel like I should. Uh, And I'll sit there and there's so many thoughts swirling around and I'll just think, thinking. Sometimes it's five full minutes of thinking, 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 thinking. (laughs) And sometimes there are longer pauses in between And then I found myself also doing that as I was driving in between each patient. So for me, I found what what works best for me is to not continue thinking about patients and all the paperwork that I have to do after I've left their house. I leave their house. 
I let myself stay in the car to gather my thoughts and write down whatever notes that I need to write in order to remember what I need to do for the paperwork. And oftentimes I'll just do this on the spot inside the person's house as I'm talking to them. And then I energetic, energetically kind of close the door to that patient, right? I, I make a conscious energetic closing. I say, okay, I'm closing the door for this patient, giving myself this 20, 30 minute break in between patients to drive and enjoy my drive, to listen to a podcast if I want to, listen to music if I want to. Oftentimes I don't. I just drive and I just enjoy the drive and I enjoy the scenery. It's Hawaii after all. Uh, and then I, uh, get to the next person's house and then I energetically open the doors for this next patient that I'm seeing. But sometimes on the drive in between patients' house, houses, a thought creeps in about either the previous client or other clients, right? And I found myself noticing that and I just label it thinking. I label it thinking and I go back and, and labeling it thinking is almost like an energetic like, oh, we're closing the door to that right now. We're going to come back to it later. But right now I'm focusing on enjoying my drive to give myself a break so that I don't feel so overwhelmed during the day. And I can gather my wit so that I can still come back to myself and become a clear channel for love. It's been beautiful, guys. So that's been really helpful for me is to label things thinking. Not labeling it as like, oh, fuck, I'm thinking about this again. Just thinking. All right. And uh, method number two. Method number two is something called tonglen. Tonglen? I don't even know if I'm saying that right. It's called Tonglen. I mentioned this uh, to my email list a couple, I think last week maybe. And I got so many messages back saying how profound that was. And it was very profound for me too because I have I talk about breathing all the time in my coaching, in my group coaching, in my private coaching. We're always talking about breathing. We always hold our breath when we're feeling fear or an anxiety um, in any kind of way, we hold our breath. That's just a natural thing that we do as human beings. And so I talk about the breath a lot. And I talk about being a channel for love energy a lot, right? But I never like, I, I never put the two and two together with this idea of pain and suffering. So like I was saying earlier, like the only reason why we're, we're stuck, why we're feeling stuck is because we're continuing to struggle through our life, struggle through our jobs, struggle through our family duties, struggle through making, figuring out what the fuck to make dinner every single night. Anybody else struggle with this? <laughs> I hate that question. What are we having for dinner? I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to think about it. I don't want to cook and I don't want to think about it and I don't want to go grocery shopping. Um, instead of struggling so much and struggling and being like, I should be journaling. I need to journal. I need to meditate more. I need to breathe more. I don't. And I should, I don't. And I should struggle so much struggle. What we can do with that struggle to transform that struggle into peace and space and love is to use the breath, not just for ourselves, but for the people and situations around us. Ooh, that's been so powerful with my patients and my clients. And I think I was doing that already. I just didn't, I didn't have the words for it. So in, in my, um, coaching calls, sometimes I find myself feeling like I'm struggling, even in my podcast recordings, actually, sometimes I don't know if, I don't know if sometimes in the past, I feel like I've always edited out the deep breaths that I take and I re-record. Uh, and lately, I just haven't been editing very much. I just fix the audio maybe if I, there's like volume changes and that's about it. And sometimes I find myself really struggling for words, right? Like you guys have heard some of those episodes from me where I'm just like struggling to come up with words to say. <laughs> and it's a very uncomfortable struggle. It's not like I'm allowing space to channel and the words are coming to me slowly because there's a lot of shit going on in my ego mind. But I'm just like searching. There's like a searching thing 
And whenever I find myself searching, whether in podcast episodes or in emails or in client calls, I know that that's ego trying to gain control. And then I make a conscious decision like, oh, ego has the reins right now. Ego is in the driver's seat. Let's have ego put back, let's put ego back in the back seat. And let me allow my inner self, my inner wisdom be the guide. Let me be a channel for pure love and energy and creativity again. So I'll take a deep breath to clear myself and to become a channel again for space and love and creativity. So Tolan is basically the same idea. And the words are, the instructions are, breathe in pain and suffering So for me, when I am feeling like I'm struggling through podcast episodes, I'm breathing in that struggle, right? I'm breathing in that struggle and then breathing out space and love. I just never knew I was doing that. So you can breathe in your own pain and suffering instead of trying to push it away. Because again, again, what you resist persist. So it's not about pushing it away. It's about breathing it in, into your energy, into your space, and then consciously breathing out space and love. And I am so touched by my share. Like I shared this with my email list and I'm so touched that I think a social worker, yeah, I think she's a social worker. A social worker emailed me and thanked me for sharing this because she works with children who have gone through so much abuse and neglect. And she's also an empath, clearly. Otherwise, she wouldn't be in this job for the most part. And she experiences what I uh, am recognizing as probably compassion fatigue. Compassion fatigue, and I used to feel this as well, and I think that's why I would get so resentful of my OT job, is that I feel everyone's pain and suffering and I feel like I can't do anything about it. I feel like I'm not doing anything to help. I'm not doing enough to help. For example, this week, and I, I let myself cry about this um, on my way home, and I might cry again, but there's a gentleman uh, who's in his 70s, and he was a ship rigger, I think is what it's called, Uh in Pearl Harbor for his whole entire life. This is a very physically demanding and challenging job. And he also was a supervisor for a bunch of young people who sometimes would get rowdy and sometimes would get really negative and pessimistic because there were other things that they wanted to do with their lives. And he had a lot of personalities to manage. It was a very emotionally and physically taxing job. And in his 70s, after retiring He had bought a house for his family, for his wife and his three kids. And once he retired, his daughter, one of his daughters needed the house or needed a house. And he decided to just give her the house because the down payment had already been paid off. And he and his wife wanted to move into something smaller. And he ended up using his hard-earned savings to buy another condo. Guys, Condos here are effing expensive. It's not cheap. And he did this off of a rigger's salary. I don't know how much they get paid, but this is a blue collar position, right? I don't don't know if it's like, um, I don't know if it's like, you know, like people who climb telephone poles to fix telephone poles, they get paid like six figures, like 150K, 250K every single year because it's such a demanding and dangerous job. Like you could die. Um, so they get paid a lot. So I'm not sure if it's like that, but I know that he worked really, really hard to provide for his family and to provide for, um, you know, to provide a home security and a loving environment for his family. And in retirement, all he wanted to do was to live in a condo with his lovely wife and enjoy retirement together. And what ended up happening is that he got cellulitis in both of his legs. Guys, I don't know if you know what cellulitis is, but it's one of the most horrible. It's it's horrible because nobody knows the cause of it, except maybe Louise Hay. <laughs> nobody knows the cause of it. And it's just this infection of your leg. Your leg swells up. You can barely walk. 
everything hurts all the time. Your skin starts peeling, your skin randomly starts blistering and starts eating itself from the outside in, sometimes from the inside out. It's awful. And it's just your body attacking your own body. It's not from a bacteria or a virus or anything like that. It's your own body attacking your own body. And this gentleman who is the, the kindest, most loving, most respectful human beings, oh, that I have had the pleasure to meet is now facing a possible amputation of his leg. And I'm crying not because I feel like his life is over. He was crying because that day he was crying because he felt like he was so afraid that his life would be over. I'm crying because I know his life is not over. I've worked with so many amputees and you could still thrive as an amputee and it's fine. But I just feel so much overwhelming sadness because he's worked so hard and all he wants to do is enjoy is to enjoy his retirement and all this shit is happening. So I just feel so much pain and suffering. Oh, my throat is closing up. Give me a second, guys. So I think in the past, I would get burnt out from my OT job because so much of this shit would happen. And I felt like, I mean, what the fuck can I do? There's only so much that I can do. Or I felt like what I was doing was not enough. But this time going back to OT has just been such an incredible experience. Just this feeling of trusting and channeling and consciously channeling for every single patient and also combining it with the skills that I've learned in school and through my jobs, the many different positions that I've had. And just trusting that has allowed me to feel like I am making a difference. And knowing that I'm making a difference and trusting that has also helped the patients that I help to know and trust that I am helping them and I have their best interest in my mind and that I love them. Like this gentleman, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not shy about saying I love you, but I love him. I love him to pieces. I love him to pieces. And at the same time, I know that what I am doing, the little that I can do is huge, right? So technically what I'm doing is not little when I go and see him. It's exactly what he needs. And then combining this with this idea of Tonglen of breathing in my own pain and my own suffering and other people's pain and suffering and breathing out space and love, that's been so powerful. And what ends up happening is that during inpatient visits, I don't end up getting frustrated as much. If I make a suggestion to someone about safety and they don't want to take it and they're resisting it, I used to get so defensive about that. I used to get so butthurt about that. And I would be kind of rude. <laughs> I would be attitude and sarcastic and now with Tonglen, I'm able to breathe in their resistance. And when I breathe in their resistance and I breathe out space and love for them and myself, I'm giving myself enough space to, to still feel compassion for them. Compassion and love, meaning that I have compassion for their situation. I have compassion for the beliefs that they are sticking to and do not want to change. I have compassion for understanding that their beliefs come from a place of fear, and I understand and have compassion and am allowing them to still stay in that space of not wanting to change their view. 
And in that space of allowing them to be where they're at, this has been insane, okay? (laughs) But they end up changing their minds. By allowing them to be who they are and giving myself space to be who I am and love for myself and space for them and love for them and allowing them to be who they are, by the end of our time together, they have changed their minds and are more open to receiving the recommendations that I've made. Magical, guys. I have one patient who is a 97-year-old veteran. I love him too. He's a hard ass. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's a 97-year-old Marine, I think. Yeah, he was a Marine. <laughs> and he was pretty up there. He's got medals and all these things. But he doesn't really... He's not all that proud about that time. But he really does have a really big worldview on discipline and being independent and not relying on people. And he instills the same beliefs in his own children. So now he's at 97 years old. He uses a walker and still very, very independent. You know, has his own room, um, showers on his own, makes his own breakfast, all these things, walks on his own, all these things. And the one thing that had been giving him a little bit of trouble, he had fallen in the bathroom. And the one thing that was giving him a little bit of trouble, and from my professional um, assessment, I was sharing with him that, hey, you know, a bedside commode would be really helpful for you to put on top of the toilet to give you a raised surface. Now, before I came into the house, His daughter apparently had been trying and trying for months on end to have him be willing to let her buy even just a raised toilet seat to put on top of the toilet. And he's been adamant, adamantly refusing, getting angry and shouting, being aggressive about it. I didn't see that myself, but that's what his daughter reported to me. And so when I suggested that to him, you could tell in his face that he wasn't really happy about it. And instead of fighting him, I could breathe, right, in the past, because he was kind of snooty to me, too. He was, he had an attitude, this Marine. (laughs) He had an attitude, not going to lie about that. Um, And instead of being attitude-y back, right, I breathed in his pain and suffering, and I breathed out space and love. And in doing so, with every single session that I had with him, I started to understand that his resistance to the commode came from a fear of looking old. It came from a fear of aging. It came from a fear of losing his independence. And so every single session, I gently reminded him that I'm just trying to help him be more independent. Because if you fall, you fall again, you're going to break a hip. If you break a hip, (sighs) talk about dependent then. You won't be able to walk. And from gentle loving space and by uh, expressing to him over and over again that I understand and I validate your resistance to the commode. I know. I would absolutely hate it too. It's ugly and it brings in feelings that you're not as strong as you used to be. So I get it. And I kept validating that over and over and over again. And then by the end, I had mentioned the commode again. And this time I didn't get that resistance look. And I suggested, okay, you know what? Let's just have Kate order it. And then when it comes, let's just try it out. We can always return it. If you absolutely hate it, we can return it. And he said, okay. (laughs) He said, okay. And then when we set it up, set it up, he still hated it. That resistance look came back, right? Had him try it. He still hated it. And I said, remember what we said. You can try it for a week. If you absolutely hate it, you can take it off. Your call, okay? It's absolutely your call. He's like, okay, fine. So he tried it. (laughs) I saw him the next day. 
because I trained, I had already trained him how to use it, trained his daughter how to use it. He was already, he's really strong. He's already really independent. My only concern was just raising the, the height of that toilet seat and having armrests on it. My main, my main focus was having armrests on it so that if he stands up and he feels dizzy again, he can sit right back down and not worry about tipping over the toilet, right? And falling from the toilet again, like he did last time. So he tried it. And the second day, I go in there. He still has an attitude about it, right? But you can tell he's accepted it and he actually really likes it. He finds it really helpful. (laughs) So breathing in pain and suffering and breathing out space and love allows me to not fight other people to change their mind. It allows me to not even need people to change their mind. It allows me to just be me It allows me to have my own opinion and my own professional recommendations um, in regards to the OT job. And I am allowing other people to be who they are as well. And in allowing other people to be who they are, I'm also creating a safe space for them to open up their mind to possibly explore other, other perspectives. And again, I'm still not in a space of needing them to change even if they do decide to change in the end. And yes, ego, my ego definitely celebrated that um, my guy ended up allowing the commode. My ego totally did high five his daughter on the way out. Totally did. (laughs) Okay. So today's episode was talking about the kind of the pathway through personal development from positive thinking all the time to surrender, to stop struggling and allowing who you are now so that you can be the person that you want to be. Loving on yourself now so that you can be the person who loves herself or himself and his or her life completely and fully later. You got to do that now right? Uh, And then I mentioned the two methods. The first method was to label your thinking as thinking. Whether it's in meditation or it's in everyday life, just try that for a week and notice how you feel. Notice if you can go through your day feeling a bit more peaceful, a bit more peaceful, and notice what happens that comes out of that inner peace. Is there magic or synchronicity that happens out of being in that place of inner peace? And then the second piece is tonlin. Tonlin is uh, breathing in pain and suffering, whether it's your own or other people, and breathing out space and love. And again, just notice if there's anything magical that happens, any synchronicity that, that happens. And synchronicity could be a big thing. It could be a small thing. Just be open to receiving. All right, you guys, this is a long episode. It's one of my longer ones that are solo. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let me know your thoughts and comments in the show notes. Uh, you'll find the link to the show notes in the description for this episode. And as always, um, thank you so much for listening. And until next week, bye for now. Bye.